Welcome to the Embracing You podcast with your host, Eric Pothen. We are all on our own unique journey to discovering ourselves. Each episode, I will help you navigate the journey within to reconnect with and discover the innate love you have for yourself. This podcast will cover topics from self-love to eating disorders and body image to mental health and to overall well-being. My goal is to help you honor and embrace yourself so you may live your most authentic life. Let's dive in. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Embracing You podcast. I hope that you all have been well uh, since we have last had the chance to share this space with one another, and I hope that you have been finding the time to continue to listen to your heart and to honor that voice that lies within. Today, I am very excited about the interview that I am able to share with you all. And a goal of mine on this podcast and moving forward is to really start to bring on individuals who are feeling called to share their own stories. And so today we have a guest and her name is Amy. And Amy and I have connected quite a bit through social media. And today she is going to share her own experience of parenting her son that has had an eating disorder for several years. And I just want to make a quick note here that we are really going to make sure that we keep Amy and her son anonymous as we go about today's interview. So Throughout the interview, you won't hear her son's name being mentioned, and we are doing that just to respect his privacy because he is still in treatment um, for his eating disorder. And so I think you are in for a treat today with hearing Amy share her own story of what it is like to parent a child that has an eating disorder. So without further ado, let's dive in. Well, hello, Amy. How are you doing over there today? I am doing great. How are you, Eric? I am doing pretty good. Uh, I'm excited for this conversation we are about to have with one another. Um, I think what's special about this conversation is that this will be the first episode on the Embracing You podcast where we will be um, featuring an eating disorder story from a parent perspective. And so Um, I am very much so looking forward to diving into this conversation with you today. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be here with you and just, I'm so thankful for your platform. Thank you. So to start today's conversation off, um, today we're going to be talking a little bit about your experience as a parent, having a child, um, that has an eating disorder and is currently in recovery and is seeking treatment. So To start today's episode off and to give our listeners a little bit of an idea uh, about who your son is, would you like to tell us a little bit about him and whatever you feel comfortable sharing is fine? Yeah. Um, So our son is 16. Um, He is our firstborn. Uh, He is kind of what I would call a a classic firstborn, Uh, you know, cautious, cautious. He's an observer. Uh, He has definitely some perfectionist tendencies. Um, 
We call him the cruise director sometimes because he always wants to make sure everyone around him is having fun and, and having a good time. Um, he, you know, he's a great big brother. Um, we have two other kiddos. Uh, we have a 14 year old son and then an eight year old daughter. Um, he has been an athlete. Um, he played soccer. We, he and I used to run together. Um, you know, he, he just was, and, and still is, you know, the, the kid that, um, just people gravitated towards, he was kind of the natural leader. Um, and yeah, he, it, I will say we're almost five years into our journey. And, uh, in the last six months we've seen, we've seen him again. We've, he's come back to us. Yeah. That's absolutely beautiful to hear. And I know, Five years, like that's an incredibly long journey. And I think that's one thing that a lot of listeners might not understand and fully realize is that because this is a hidden illness and because there is such a stigma around it, especially for men, that journeys can last as long as five years. Some, it could even be a lifetime if they don't get the help and treatment that they need. And so, I mean, five years, that's an incredibly long time. And so if you do the math, that had to have been around the age of 11 or so. Yeah, so he, yeah, he um, he was actually 12, just had turned 12. Um, he's going to be 17 in a couple of weeks. So um, that's kind of where we're at. But I would say I started noticing him realizing his body was not the same as his friends and even his younger brother at eight. Um, so pretty young um, and really asking about six pack abs. I'm like, what eight year old knows about six pack abs? Um, and, you know, just trying to, as a parent, kind of tiptoe around that um, as far as you know, really, I would always say to him, like, how boring would it be if God made all of us exactly the same? Like, that would be so boring. And that's why we all have different bodies, we all have different eyes, you know, and and just kind of focusing on those things and really hoping that that would help shift his brain from being so focused on those things. Um, and I've I've read now that eight is typically when kids start realizing that they're different and that they're a commodity, that their body is a commodity in the world, um, and it gives them worth. And you know that's just it's so sad to me that that part of childhood where they should just be able to run around shirtless um, can be taken from kids at such a young age. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so first of all, I want to just commend you on, you know, what you chose to say to your son in that moment of, you know, everybody's body is different. And I think in a lot of the literature that you read now today, like that is the perfect thing to like, talk to your children about is body diversity, and whatever body they have is the right body, and there is no right or wrong body. And so I just want to commend you that's that was like a really beautiful way to go about, you know, having that 
initial conversation um, with your son about his body and kind of when he first started to notice um, that there might be something different than his siblings. So I'm curious to know, what did the onset of your son's eating disorder look like? What behaviors did you maybe notice? And when did you decide to intervene and get him some help? Great question. So um, the summer that he turned 12, going into sixth grade, uh, we were getting ready to go in for his you know, yearly well-child visit. And he said to me, you know, mom, I'm, I'm really worried about how fat my stomach is. And I just was like, Hmm, I, I think your stomach's great. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but let's talk to the doctor and went to see our pediatrician who, you know, he's been seeing my older two, my boys, since they were, you know, infants in the hospital, you know, he was just like, Hey kiddo, this is what your body does to give itself extra energy for puberty and a growth spurt. So how exciting you're about to probably have a big growth spurt and go into puberty. And so I didn't really think much of it from there because my logical brain was, that's exactly what's going to happen. I went through it. My sisters went through it. Um, you know, we've watched other friends where, you know, you, you kind of get this little donut around your middle and it's storing that extra energy, um, for growth. And, um, about two weeks later, he came running up to me and he's like, mom, I lost a pound. And I was like, okay. I'm like, there is no power that I'm giving this. And I just kind of like turned and went on my way. And it started happening every day and then multiple times a day where he was weighing himself in the morning and then he was weighing himself throughout the day and kind of reporting back to me that he was losing weight. And at that point, I was like, hmm, I don't understand what's going on here. And so my thought was, I'm going to pull the scale. There's no scale in the house. This can no longer be an issue. Um, So we pulled the scale out of our house. I hid it on a top shelf of our closet and, again, kind of thought nothing of it. And he started sixth grade, um, which, you know, for some kids is a really big transition. Um, He has had a history with some anxious behavior. My thoughts on eating disorders were very misguided. And I thought they were a choice people made um, for themselves. And so it, it was not even something in the front of my brain or the back of my brain that my son might be headed in that trajectory. He then, um, I think it was the end of September, they go on a one-week retreat with all the sixth graders in his school. And I I picked him up that Friday. You know, the bus came back, and he was different. And we had friends over for dinner that night, and he excused himself from the table and went to his room. And about a half hour later, I went to check on him, and he was drenched in sweat doing burpees in his bedroom. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm super anxious. 
I just, I need to get this out. I need to move my body. And I was like, okay, well, let's stop and like, let's do some breathing and, you know, try to just kind of calm him down. And so we're in October now and I'm watching him and he's pushing food around his plate or, um, things are coming home in his lunchbox uneaten. Um, and I can tell that he's not being truthful with me when I'm asking questions or my husband's asking questions. And probably about two, two and a half weeks later, I happened to walk into his bedroom while he was changing and my heart stopped because I could see every rib. I could see every vertebrae. Um, he was skeletal. I just like, I kind of turned and walked out of the room. I don't think he knew that I had walked in. I like grabbed my husband and we went into our bedroom and shut the door. And I was like, something is wrong. Like I'm watching him. He's exercising. He's not eating. These conversations we're having with him are not getting through to him. And I'm like, babe, I can see like there is nothing left to him. And I said, I think he has anorexia. And my husband, we, we'd laugh about this now, but he looks at me and he goes, boys don't get that. And I was like, what do you mean boys don't get that? I'm like, it's a mental health disorder. Cause I had been doing a little bit of research and, and uh, I was like, I don't think it discriminates. And uh, he was like, hmm. And so we pretty quickly, uh, I made an appointment with our pediatrician. Um, He did a whole battery of tests because I don't know if people know this, but when you starve yourself, um, your whole body slows down. Um, His heart rate dropped significantly, um, his blood pressure Um, so they did EKGs, they did blood work. Um, it was, it was scary. Um, and they recommended that we seek treatment and made a call and got us into a a very well-known treatment center here, um, in Minneapolis. I can only imagine the emotion that might be surfacing for you kind of thinking about this story of your son and even your own experience as a parent and how you navigated it. But just as a listener and as you were sharing, I'm hearing so many things that you did throughout that entire process that were proactive. That's incredible parenting right there. And so you, I just wanted to put that back to you as well, is that you did so many proactive things in this entire process and it, your son is so lucky. Like I can just, I already know based on this conversation we've been having so far that you and your husband are incredible parents and you care so much about your children. So I'm curious about, you know, for me in my own story, I never received any sort of formal treatment for my eating disorder. My parents had told me that if I hadn't started to gain weight, they had noticed that I started to lose weight, that they were going to schedule a doctor's appointment for me. And that scared the living you-know-what out of me. And um, and so my question for you is, after you told your son that you were going to be making this appointment for him to go in, 
what was his response to this? He was scared, um, not of going to the doctor, but looking back, he was scared of what was happening to him. And I think anxiety does that to people because you don't know where it's coming from. And I felt, and I still feel like his eating disorder was a way for him to gain some footing in a, in a chaotic time that he couldn't make sense of. He was willing to go to the doctor and was willing to start treatment, which other families that I'm in support groups with, there's three people in, in the backseat of a car holding their kid down while they're driving to a treatment facility. So we have always been so grateful to our son that he was still in there enough to want to fight. Yeah, I think you really hit the nail on the head here when you were talking about, you know, his eating disorder was a way for him to find control in this very chaotic time in life. And I think that's a common thread amongst a lot of people who struggle with an eating disorder is that perfectionism is like a key word you hear in this space. And you had said that towards the beginning of our conversation together. And that's something that I've struggled with as well for a majority of my life. But when I had my eating disorder, me being able to control what I ate, what I was able to do with exercise to manipulate my body the way that I wanted it to look, that is what gave me that sense of control. And when I look back, it's a total false sense of control, right? Because it's it's tricking your body and your brain and you hit the nail on the head too with a lot of people don't know that eating disorders are a mental health disorder and they often co-occur with another mental health disorder like anxiety or depression or OCD. And so it just makes sense when I hear you talk about this, you know, connection that you're seeing almost between his anxiety and where the eating disorder kind of go hand in hand. Um, And so I just want to highlight that for listeners, because I think a lot of listeners might not be aware of the relationship between all of those things. But once you're in that space, it makes complete sense, right? It's like the missing piece of the puzzle where you're like, oh, okay, he has anxiety. Things are a little bit rough and chaotic at, at this point in time in his life. He is using his eating disorder and those behaviors to help him find control. And you're like, okay, well, that makes sense. Let's try to give him other tools to help him navigate that sense of chaos and anxiety instead of resorting to those eating disorder behaviors, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. And so at this point in time, how old was your son when you first went back to the doctor then? Um, So he was 12 um, and we started treatment. And so we made the decision to do outpatient care um at this facility um and we just made it work you know it was the dietitian one day and the therapist the next day and the medical doctor and and every week it was kind of the threat of hospitalization for him um which helped him take that next bite um when we were struggling at home 
we were going to focus on feeding him. And it sounds really easy and it is horrific. Um, and we slowly just started increasing his calories by three to 500 uh, calories every couple of days until we started seeing consistent gain. 10 pounds later, it was like a light bulb came back on and we could see our kid a little bit in there. When you start refeeding a kid, they become hypermetabolic. Um, so their metabolism slows way down when they are starving. And when the food is reintroduced, it goes bonkers. No, I think you did a really nice job highlighting that, you know, I think scientifically it makes sense from like a medical standpoint when we're talking about needing someone who is extremely underweight to gain weight to focus on caloric intake, right? Like scientifically that makes sense because yes, that number has to be a part of the picture, I think, when we're talking about restoring weight. I know in our conversations that we've had with one another is that he is currently back in an outpatient program. Um, would you mind just talking a little bit about, you know, in between that time and now and what that process is looking like for you and your family? Yeah. Started seventh grade. Um, he was seeing a therapist and kind of starting to work on anxiety. We decided to try some medication for his anxiety um, as well, which was definitely um, a game changer for him in the sense that, you know, on a scale of one to 10, he was at a 12 and we just needed to get him back down to like an eight um, on the anxiety scale. And, and um, so he was actually able to talk a little bit more and, and kind of tell us what was going on. Someone recommended the book Life Without Ed. Jenny Schaefer is the author. And she talks about just separating her from her eating disorder and doing an exercise where literally two chairs were in the room and she had to sit in different chairs based on what thoughts were coming up as they were talking. And we really started focusing on that with our son and um, helping him separate his thoughts because he for so long thought that those thoughts were his thoughts and really pulling the two of them apart, which also helped us fight the eating disorder because you no longer feel like you're fighting your kid. Um, because my, my kid doesn't lie and, and my kid is kind and doesn't swear, but the eating disorder knows a lot of really bad words and likes to direct them at me. Him to um, eighth grade. And at that time, we got the okay from our pediatrician because he was almost back to... Um, his growth chart numbers. So he has always been 85th to 90th percentile for height and weight. And we were really close to that. And our pediatrician said, you know, I think 
letting him do some sort of exercise would be really great. You guys are moving school districts. It would be a good way for him to start meeting people. Um, and our son chose to uh, join the cross country team and started hearing some things from boys on the team that our son was no longer running with the team, but taking off and no one knew where he was going. No one knew how far he was running. Um, and so we were, you know, working on addressing that with him and, and actually pulled him from running a couple of times. He was losing consistent amounts of weight, but also as a parent, he is having this stellar season. So there's this weird element of pride in there as a parent. But what we know now is he was trying to outrun the eating disorder voice. And it was bullying him and telling him, even if he ran a race and had a PR, that he was a loser. He took a long break from exercise over the winter that, that year. Um, and again, thought we were doing okay and let him join track. And uh, yeah, that was, it, was, it was, again, great season, qualifies for state, um, you know, uh, sets records, like all these things. Um, and he was the sickest I think he's ever been. He was, we were pulling him out of school all the time for anxiety and panic attacks. I was like, we need help. Like we've done and we have taken him as far as we can, just the two of us without any help. And we need help. And so I started researching um, programs and um, my sister actually was watching the Today Show and she's like, you need to check out this program. It's called Equip. And so I check it out and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's all virtual. It's science-based, which a lot of treatment programs are not. Called them and chatted with them and, and they're like, yeah, when do you want to start? And we decided to let him finish the school year so that we didn't have to pull him out at the end of the school year, had a, a physical done, and he did not qualify to start the program because um, he was too medically unstable. It has been so life-giving to our entire family. This makes me emotional. They, It's a family-based therapy program, and I get the name Equip because they truly have equipped us to take care of our child. They believe that parents and caregivers are that front line of defense and they're just to, there to support you. So we have um, a treatment team that consists of a dietitian, a family therapist, we have a medical doctor, and then um, my husband and I have a family mentor um, so someone with lived experience, and then our son has a peer mentor. So again, someone with lived experience that just gets it, right? Because I don't get it all the time, but this person gets it. We just hit the one-year mark with them. We have fed him through six and a half inches of growth, 70 pounds of gain, and puberty. So he requires about 8,300 calories a day. Um, to fuel all of that growth that is happening. Two weeks ago, we hit what they consider his um, recovered weight, which 
is just a huge milestone. We still have work to do as far as gain for him because there's still symptoms that pop up and we're not seeing it as often, but man, when that eating disorder comes out, it comes out with a vengeance right now because it is hanging on to him for dear life because it knows it is on its way out. So that's where we're kind of at right now. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's really inspiring to hear that that your son is to the point now where you said he's kind of met his recovered weight. Um, And so that's a really big accomplishment. And I think another important thing that's important to highlight in this in this part as well is that, you know, everyone going through treatment is going to require a different daily caloric intake to help them meet their recovery goal. And so I think it, it, what I'm interested in is hearing back from listeners is like to hear 8,300 calories, like I anticipate some jaws dropping, right? And I don't think people fully understand that the body is so malnourished and you, you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about all of these physiological responses with a lowered heart rate, poor circulation, poor metabolism, um, hair falling out, you're always cold, low blood pressure, dry skin, terrible nails. So when, I don't think many people will know this, but as you're adding more food back into your diet, there will naturally be a lot of uncomfortable, bloated, indigestion, feelings of discomfort. And so I just want to pause for a second and just give so much praise and accolade to your son. Like this is, I cannot imagine the journey that he's been on. And one thing that I keep coming back to is this is a many year process for him where, you know, you thought he was to one point in recovery where you maybe thought he was recovered in in a solid place, but then you kind of go back down and he had this relapse, if you will, and kind of diving back into that. And that's the nature of mental health disorders like this. And even with addiction, it just like it, it can come back with a vengeance because like you had just mentioned, like it felt like it was on its way out the door and the eating disorder voice was like, hell no, nope. I'm making my way back into the picture here. And, you know, wants to continue to have a spot in that individual's life. And just, there are so many points to your story that I feel like I also resonate with mostly, uh, you know, what was helpful and what is still helpful for me today is that personifying the eating disorder voice versus Eric's voice and being able to differentiate between the two. And so I've named my eating disorder voice, Carol. And so whenever I notice Carol getting loud, I just tell her to shut up. But it's it's so powerful when you can separate, you are not your eating disorder, you are still your own entity and human being and person and soul living inside of this body. And your eating disorder is trying to convince you that you are your eating disorder. So uh, I have a couple more questions here before we end our time here together. But what if we were to think about this entire process um, for you as a parent and and, and kind of walking alongside your son um, as he's kind of uh, worked with his eating disorder and is in this phase of recovery, 
What are some things that you've learned in this entire process? Personally, we really talk, my husband and I, a lot about, we had to circle the wagons. Um, So anything that was not immediately necessary for our little family of five, um, we didn't care about anymore. I guess I'm kind of getting more onto the advice side. Um, We started a Caring Bridge site pretty early on um, because it was too traumatic for us to repeat what was going on to our community that had come alongside of us. I'm, I'm grateful for the journey because it showed us the people that are here for us. So yeah, kind of finding those helpers, offload what you can. One thing that I read pretty early on, it's called anorexia and other eating disorders. Our son talked in code sometimes to us so that he wouldn't get in trouble with the eating disorder. So it could be, gosh, I sure hope ice cream isn't part of my my meal plan tomorrow. He was wanting ice cream. Saying it that way, he didn't get punished, right? I was the bad guy. So like looking for those clues and also showing up and fighting for your kid, even when it's really, really hard and you think they could care less if you died the next day, they are so beaten down. Um, They are looking for us as parents, as caretakers to um, step in and do the work for them when they can't. And saying, I understand how you're feeling and you're going to finish your food. My son has told me that he's still angry with me for the year that I couldn't show up because of my own mental health issues, which I didn't tell him about at the time because it just felt like one more thing that he did not have to have a burden. And he's still very angry that I wasn't there and didn't show up. And I'm I'm working on repairing that with him. I will say there are, I mean, he's very loving towards me now. And I am the one that pokes the bear all the time now. Um, I'm constantly poking at his eating disorder because I can handle it now. But that's something that, you know, I'm working on with my therapist now is how do I reconcile that with him? Um, because he needed me and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it at the time. And I feel terrible about that. But also I was no good to anyone in my house in the state that I was in. And then self-care, I think. And that feels like a lot sometimes. Um, for me, it was sometimes just taking a shower um, was my self-care. I mean, and, and crying. Like after a meal, taking a hot shower and just sobbing about how horrible it was at the time. So self-care, I think sometimes we think of like spa days and um, those types of things, but it it can be really anything that just gives your brain some downtime. We really, you know, have come together as a family and are very resilient now um, and still really just don't care about all the other stuff in the world. So I think those are some of the things that we've learned on this journey. Yeah, I really want to emphasize the last point that you had mentioned of self-care. I think 
it I could only imagine as a parent and in, in, in hearing your perspective and in hearing your side of this entire story, how exhausting and draining this entire process has been for you. And I think for all parents listening, if they currently have a child who is struggling with an eating disorder, disordered eating, body image, anything in that space, is that self-care is so important. And I think you had mentioned that you realized that, you know, you, you couldn't do the work for your son and you can't do the work for your son because it's, it's his body, it's his eating disorder voice that he only knows what it's saying, how it operates. And I think there's, there's a sense of humility there where you're kind of recognizing that I can't do it all and that's okay. I think that in and of itself right there can be such a beautiful learning opportunity for any parent, I think, because of course, all parents want the best for their child, right? Especially if they are going through something as intense as a multi-year eating disorder and and to have the journey that your son has had. But I just think that that had to have been really hard to accept that you know, you couldn't do the work and that you can help and you can walk alongside, but that is going to be your son's job in this entire process. Um, before we end our time here together, um, as you know, the title of this podcast is Embracing You. Um, and so from a parent's perspective, have you noticed a difference in your son Um since he's been in this most recent phase of recovery? And do you believe that he's learning to embrace himself in this process of recovery? Oh, God, that is a great question. Um, I think it depends on the day and sometimes the hour. We see our son again. I think I've said that a couple of times. And and if you're in it, you know what I'm talking about. Um, he has his first job this year. Um, so embracing him being out in the world and that pride that he gets from going to work every day, um, is really great to see. We're not quite there with embracing physically what his body looks like. Um, we know that's going to come with time, but we see glimmers of it um just the other day he sorry his eating disorder was yelling at me about how he looked and then two hours later he had his shirt off at the beach and I was like okay (laughs) like you don't like how your chest looks but you had your shirt off so though I'm seeing those things where he's embracing and and taking pride in himself again I would just say, and I, I know this wasn't part of your question, but um, at this point, I wish that I could be a resource for other parents, but we are still in it. Um, our son is not ready to share his story. Um, but I will say there's a great organization um, called Feast-ED. Um, they have incredible support groups. They have sibling support groups, parental support groups. Um, men's support groups. So if people are just looking for that extra or even more community around them, um, that is a great resource. 
Absolutely. And thanks so much for sharing those. And I'll be sure to include those in the show notes for other people listening, um, as well as those books that we have talked about um, as well, because I know I've for sure read the A Life Without Ed um, and what a powerful book that was. And I feel like it, it really was a game changer for me, I think, in my own recovery. And I think you reflected so beautifully that, you know, the road to recovery, it's not a sprint. It is, you know, you take it day by day and sometimes you take it minute by minute. And I've almost hit the four-year mark of being in recovery from mine. But there are still moments where Carol gets really loud and she's, there are moments where I, it could be very easy for me to slip back into, you know, those old behaviors and patterns. But, you know, it's, it's when you are allowing and understanding that you're going to have those days from time to time, and it's going to, you know, kind of rock your world a little bit, that that's just a natural part of the recovery process. I don't think people realize how deeply ingrained this voice can become in our brains. And how that becomes our voice for so long and to start to find your own voice. And I'm a firm believer in the road to recovery is the road back to your true self and being able to find yourself again. And it sounds like, you know, your son is in the process of finding his way back to his true self. And you're even seeing that as his parents, that's what you're seeing right there is, you're seeing his journey back to his true self. And I'm really excited to continue to stay in touch with you after this conversation and to just hear about your son's progress with his recovery. Um, And so I just really want to thank you once again, Amy, for all of your insight that you gave and all of your wisdom as well of being a parent and in this experience that you've had of, you know, with your son and him having an eating disorder and him being in this process of recovery. It, it is very inspiring to hear how much work you've put into helping your son get back to his true self. And I just want to absolutely commend you for all of the work that you've done because your son is so lucky to have such kind, loving and caring parents who want nothing but the best for him. And I can only imagine what your experience was like um, this entire time. So I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for stepping into this very vulnerable and raw and real space with me uh, during this conversation. Well, thank you so much for all that you do and allowing me to share a little bit. Once again, I would like to thank Amy for her vulnerability and for taking the time to share her story with us all about parenting her son that currently has an eating disorder. And if you are a parent and you also have a child who is struggling with disordered eating or eating disorder, I hope that this episode helps you feel a little less alone. So once again, a big thank you to Amy for sharing her story with us all today. Until next time, I hope that you continue to take good care of yourselves. You understand the importance of loving and respecting your body because it is your home. And I hope you can take some time each day to find a couple of things that you are grateful for. Much love.